The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here's Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston. This morning, we continue our fall sermon series, Detectives of Divinity. From now until Thanksgiving, Fifth Avenue Church is studying the role that wonder plays in the life of faith. We're reflecting on places in scripture where individuals and whole communities gasp in awe, moments when people find themselves in the presence of God. And we're looking at our world and our lives through the lens of these experiences. Our foundational premise this fall is that awe is a doorway to the divine. Last week, we studied the story of King David dancing with abandon before the Ark of the Covenant. And we talked about ecstatic awe. Today, we turn our attention to a more outwardly subdued but equally powerful sense of wonder. Today, we're going to consider how people of faith encounter God in prayer. Two different texts will inform our journey. Listen now for God's word to you as it first echoes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, beginning with the seventh verse. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? <laughs> or, or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Our second reading for this morning comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the fourth chapter beginning with the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. A 
Do you know this prayer? <laughs> now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. How many of you said that prayer sometime? Pretty good slice. When I was four, my mother taught me that prayer. She would stand in the doorway while I kneeled alongside my bed. I would speak the words and then slide under the covers. Mom would blow me a kiss and turn out the hall light. As a child, I found my bedtime prayer both comforting and unsettling. <laughs> it comforted me to picture God listening watching over me. But sometimes that prayer sent a shiver down my spine. If I should die before I wake? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Could that actually happen? I didn't want to be whisked away from my family in the night. I, I didn't want to contemplate my own demise. If you're one of those who's prayed, now I lay me down to sleep? Did its simple cadences calm you? Did its final petition worry you? How old were you when you stopped saying it, praying it? Do any of you still pray it? A week ago, I returned to that childhood prayer. And as I prayed, I, I tried to pay close attention to the words. And this time around, they reminded me of the opening statement in the Presbyterian brief statement of faith, which goes like this. In life and in death, we belong to God. The, the prayer also reminded me of words that we have chosen to etch around the top wall of our columbarium, a verse from Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As an adult, as a pastor, I pray a lot of extemporaneous prayers, unstructured prayers. Somewhere along the way, I've heard people say that these prayers are more real, more from the heart. Some suggest that impromptu prayers have more impact than, than old, memorized, rote prayers. Maybe. But sometimes I think the old ones are the best. Their, their poetry has, has carved words into the walls of my heart, stanzas of hope that come back to me in times of need. Sometimes at the end of a long day, I lean into the comfort of prayers that have been around for a while. One of my favorite old prayers, a prayer for tough times, 
comes from the fourth century and the pen of a bishop to the North African church, St. Augustine. It goes like this. God of life, there are days when the burdens we carry are heavy on our shoulders and weigh us down. When the road seems dreary and endless, the skies gray and threatening, when our lives have no music in them and our hearts are lonely and our souls have lost their courage. Flood the path with light. Turn our eyes to where the skies are full of promise. Tune our hearts to brave music. Give us the sense of comradeship with, with heroes and saints of every age and, and so quicken our spirits that we may be able to encourage the souls of all who journey with us on the road of life. To your honor and glory. Amen. We've included copies of Augustine's prayer in today's bulletin, and as Jonah mentioned, if you fill out that electronic survey, those of you are in our far-flung family, everyone will be receiving one of these from Natalie um, this, this next week. God of life, there are days when the burdens that we carry are heavy on our shoulders and weigh us down. There's something solid, I think, about, about this prayer. It's honest. It doesn't pretend that everything is perfect. It speaks about life's burdens and is bold in, in asking for help. Augustine models a, a straightforward way of speaking with God, connecting with God. Over the years, I've occasionally overheard clergy, present company accepted, offer prayers in worship that are not actually prayers at all. They are anxious mini-sermons. <laughs> Ostensibly, they're addressed to God, but in reality, they're aimed at all of you worshipers. And I do not think that a prayer is an opportunity to sneak a second sermon into worship. I can tell, and I know you can too, when someone is actually trying to talk to God, to share roses and thorns with God, and it matters. In part, that's why I actually don't mind prayers that wander, where poetry takes a back seat to candor, our best conversations with our best friends meander. <laughs> Don't worry about it, says the Apostle Paul, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Do you know this prayer? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Or maybe this prayer. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive through thy bounty, through Christ our Lord, we pray. Or, or maybe you know this prayer, this singing prayer, and if you know it, you've got to sing with me. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good to me, 
And so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. Oh, the Lord is good to me. We could do all the outmans, but we're on live stream. <laughs> Mealtime prayers, sing-song prayers of gratitude, expressions of thanks to God for the bounty of the world, for daily bread, for simple gifts that sustain us, are some of the most common human prayers. These kind of prayers pull us out of self-centered swamps they extend our spirit's awareness. This food came from somewhere, some farm, some orchard, some kitchen. These prayers acknowledge the, the bounty, that the bounty of God's creation passes through many hands before it sits on our plate. The medieval mystic, Meister Eckhart, great name, <laughs> once remarked, if the only prayer you ever say in your whole life is thank you, that would suffice. Our mealtime prayers connect us. They say, I'm not in this alone. My soul is so grateful for this bread. Prayer, Mother Teresa once observed, enlarges the heart until the heart is capable of containing God. Do you know this prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, and not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Many of us know these words as the serenity prayer. It was written by American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. And this prayer, of course, holds a special place in the hearts of the Alcoholics Anonymous community. It's spoken every day by those who long for wisdom, courage, and strength in the face of personal challenge. It's an appeal to God steeped in humility and trust. Did you know that John Calvin, Protestant reformer, once compared prayer to a shovel? <laughs> With prayer as our shovel, Calvin suggested, we dig for God and for the gifts of God's Spirit. Times of prayer also afford the Spirit an opportunity to dig through aspects of our lives, our struggles. Good prayers shovel through piles of sadness. Good prayers cut a path through 
anger and resentment. Good prayers, faithful prayers, real prayers, pick up a spade and dismantle walls of decorum to strike up an honest conversation with God. Spanish mystic Teresa of Avila put it this way, prayer is nothing other than being in friendship with God. Teresa's description of prayer may surprise us. Friendship with God? (laughs) What does that mean? Well, what does it mean to be a friend? (laughs) To be a friend is to regard another person as worthy of your attention, time, honesty, affection. Friends hold each other in esteem. You may complain at times to a friend, but we all know that healthy friendships, the best friendships, go beyond sharing aggravation. Friends share joys and curiosities. Now that's not to say, of course, that friends are clones of each other. Good friends celebrate each other's differences. Good friends invite each other to look at the world in in fascinating new ways. They encourage each other. They are there for each other. There's a remarkable moment in the Gospel of John when Jesus says to his followers, I do not call you servants, but friends. To talk to a friend, to listen to a friend, To share life with a friend is to step into a rare and beautiful space, a place of wonder. The the Hebrew people saw this wonder spread all over the countenance of their leader, Moses. The Lord, they said, in hushed tones, speaks to Moses face to face, just like you would talk with a friend. And we nod because we know how powerful that precious connection can be. Two days ago, I took a call from our youngest child. Oliver is a college sophomore, a resident assistant in his dormitory, and he wanted to host a late night breakfast for the new residents on his floor. He was phoning to ask for my pancake recipe, which is a good recipe. (laughs) So we talked pancakes and the crucial wet to dry ingredient ratio, buttermilk to flour. After that, our conversation turned to his religion class and his thoughts on theologian Paul Tillich, who he had been reading. We talked about serious stuff, like drug use among college students, and lighthearted stuff, like a trip that he took with his friends to a local apple orchard. This call was a joy and a bit of a revelation to me. At some fuzzy point in time, our relationship with our children changes. 
I will always be Ollie's dad. But somewhere along the way, active parenting diminishes, or at the very least shifts into something new. This is happening for Ollie and me. And it feels okay. Actually, it feels pretty darn good. Ollie reached out to ask my advice on pancakes, on a recipe he could have found on the internet in three seconds. And then we just talked. After the call was over, something occurred to me. If it feels this good when my child reaches out to talk about pancakes and life, what must it feel like to God when one of us reaches out? The good book puts it more eloquently than me. <laughs> Our souls thirst for God, but God also thirsts for connection with us. In today's text from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus urges his followers to pick up the phone saying, for everyone who knocks on the door, it will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? We know the answer to that, <laughs> don't we? Go forth from here encouraged to dial heaven's number, knowing that if you ask for bread, you will never be given a stone. And as you go, have courage, Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.